Be flexible with changes in your plans. Once I get something in my mind, a plan, it can be tricky to let go of it and go with the flow. I was taught, and to some degree, it's certainly true that success or successfully completing a project requires perseverance. At the same time, however, inflexibility creates an enormous amount of inner stress and is often irritating and insensitive to other people. I like to do the majority of my writing in the wee hours of the morning. I might have the goal in this book, for example, to complete one or two strategies before anyone else in the house wakes up. But what happens if my four-year-old wakes up early and walks upstairs to see me? My plans have certainly been altered, but how do I react? Or I might have the goal to go out for a run before going to the office. What happens if I get an emergency call from the office and have to skip my run? There are countless potential examples for all of us. Times when our plans suddenly change, something we thought was going to take place doesn't, someone doesn't do what they said they would do, you make less money than you thought you would, someone changes your plans without your consent, you have less time than previously planned, something unexpected comes up, and on and on it goes. The question to ask yourself is, what's really important? We often use the excuse that it's natural to be frustrated when our plans change. That depends, however, on what your priorities are. Is it more important to stick to some rigid writing schedule or to be available to my four-year-old? Is missing a 30-minute run worth getting upset over? The more general question is, what's more important, getting what I want and keeping my plans or learning to go with the flow? Clearly, to become a more peaceful person, you must prioritize being flexible over rigid most of the time. Obviously, there will be exceptions. I've also found it helpful to expect that a certain percentage of plans will change. If I make allowances in my mind for this inevitability, then when it happens, I can say, here's one of those inevitabilities. You'll find that if you create the goal to become more flexible, some wonderful things will begin to happen. You'll feel more relaxed Yet, you won't sacrifice any productivity. You may even become more productive because you won't need to expend so much energy being upset and worried. I've learned to trust that I will keep my deadlines, achieve most of my goals, and honor my responsibilities, despite the fact that I may have to alter my plans slightly or even completely. Finally, the people around you will be more relaxed too. They won't feel like they have to walk around on eggshells if, by some chance, your plans have to change. That was chapter 65 of Richard Carlson's book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff. Um, he has many chapters throughout it, but we're really one to focus on today, and you're going to get out of the show. It's, it's about change and influencing change. So let's just get straight to the show. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. 
Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. As you heard in the opening, this one is about change and influencing change. And I will tell you that that seems to be a growing topic across the world of business, uh, military, just uh, personal life and understanding change and how to properly go about it. But what we're going to do is we're going to go through uh, we recently had received a, an article from the Bearded Ninja, as we call him, who we hope <laughs> one day will will succumb to our uh, show and be a part of it. We'll see. Um, I'm, I'm still working him over. But he gave me this article, and it was a really good article. Uh, it's called Changing How People Feel About Change. It's by Casey Mulquin. Uh, I love what it had to say. So we're going to kind of – we're we're not just dissecting that article. We're also dissecting another thing that we refer to as the master resilience uh, training, uh, the MRT that we have in the services. And we think we not just think, but we feel that this will help us um, with the whole changing the way people think about change. What you got there, big man. Yeah. I've been kind of looking forward to this episode because I mean, influencing change. I've always believed change is not a bad thing. Change is a good thing. And uh, I just went through a major change in my world, and you're about to. So maybe this will help you, and, and maybe it'll show me some of the errors that I made along the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, and, and you know, it's funny how we, we don't realize how uh, important change can be. Um, change is inevitable. It will happen no matter who you are. And understanding it better, not only as the pe- person going through the change, but also understanding it as the one uh, who is trying to influence others through the change or lead them through the change. It is key because you can have disaster happen or you can have incredible success. Either way, you, I mean, you you want the incredible success. You don't want that disaster. And that's and that's why, you know, I, I really, I was, I was glad that we kind of talked about it and we decided upon this one because change is, uh, it's key. It very, it, it very much is. Well, and how you deal with change too. So change is going to happen, but how important is it on how we deal and cope with change in our lives, in the lives of our family? So yeah, no, I, I definitely, I've been looking forward to it. I think we're ready to roll. All right. So let's look at some numbers here. Uh, in 2017, the APA or the American uh, Psych- Psychology Association, they found that Americans who reported recent or current change were almost three times as likely to say they intended to seek employment outside the organization within the next year. But why? Why would they do that? I mean, possibly because uh, the focus was more on the change than the employees going through the change. That's what I think it is, because they didn't feel like they were being uh, properly vetted or or not vetted, but uh, guided through this massive change. Yeah, no, so you get some un- unnecessary stress maybe in your life. So let's think about we did a curriculum change, right? And you were, the, you were the tip of the spear, man. I know you don't like to take the credit, but you were the tip of the spear for that. And you did a lot of stuff. And, and, and my, or my part of the organization, we did a lot of training to prep those facilitators for the change. And I think that it, it ended up paying off rather than say, hey, here's this curriculum change. You got 30 days to master it. Ready? go. We did it over months to help them adjust. And I think that's why people seek different employment because, you know, they don't know how to handle the change. We like familiarity in our lives. And when we lose that familiarity and we lose that comfort zone, we're just like, all right, well, if I'm going to be uncomfortable, I'll be uncomfortable somewhere else. Or, you know, 
move along. Yeah. I, and, and that's it. You know, it's, it's that un- idea of being uncomfortable, you know, influencing change starts with the mindset of changing, uh, the way people feel about it. It's nothing to do with the change itself. In most cases, it's really about how they feel feelings will, um, the feelings in itself. I mean, if you think about it, when we changed, we changed the curriculum. The whole thing was based around how someone feels about that topic. And that's what we're trying. I mean, that's really what we're going to focus on with change is how they feel about it is what's going to either induce uh, a toxicity of the brain or an acceptance. And that's, you know, so let me read a little bit here that I have written down. Uh, it's not the change that people hate. It's how they feel about it. Feelings or the stress from feelings can create uh, an overanalyzation and then create a negative bias because of the stress hormones created. You know, that overanalyzing something and just, and you're just, I mean, and when I say overanalyze, I'm not saying overanalyzing is you're trying to figure out how to implement the change, but it's overanalyzing the fact that it's happening and you're really more worried about what it's doing to you. Yeah, no, I and uh, again, so we see a lot of change in our careers, and I really hate to stick with the military side, but I tell you what, if you do me a favor today, Brian, and I'll give some military examples, and you throw out some uh, civilian world samples because it's kind of in your uh, education field, I think we can really hammer this home. But remember the uh, when we changed the physical readiness training, when we changed how we were going to conduct our physical readiness? Oh, we're still going through those, uh, those uh, growing pains. Growing pains. And what happened was the old guys who had been around, we're talking Cold War era guys or, or you know, like early, uh, late 80s, early 90s guys. Oh, this is stupid. Uh, uh, soldiers are going to fail the physical, physical fitness test. Uh, this doesn't help. This doesn't help. And we were so negative that they were still doing the old stuff, right? So I'm up at New York, and the senior enlisted advisor for the entire installation at Fort Drum, the Sergeant Major, says, if I catch you doing the old stuff, you'll be coming to see me that day with everybody in your command from me to you. And you're going to answer for why we're doing something that's obsolete. So he had to enforce that change because people did not want to embrace that we're going to change how we did physical readiness training. They didn't even give it a chance to work. So, yeah, no, and, and it was a lot of stress. It is, you know, and it's it's funny. Like, I mean, how many times did you ask the same question in, cl- in the classroom setting of, all right, how many of you here are doing physical readiness training at your unit or you're doing the old stuff? And what are the usually the answers there, Ed? Uh, I would say out of 16 students, you might get, you might get about, you might get about half that say they do it. But then when you go to evaluate them, it's clear that either they don't pay attention or they haven't been placed in charge of it because they really, they do it, but they don't do it right, which is still part of the change. Like you can change something, but it doesn't help if we're not going to execute it the way it's supposed to be executed. And in certain communities, all right, I love my special operations guys. They do not do physical readiness training. They do their own programs. They have their programs designed around what they do. Now the guys we get are mostly support guys. It's a little bit different than actually being the guy that goes out there and shoots the bad guy. These are the guys that enable them to do it through support, but they're still not doing it. So it's a, it's still a resistance. And that thing has been in place since, man, I can remember going back to 2009, 2008, maybe that they were supposed to be doing it. 
Wow. Yeah. I mean, I to tell you the truth, I can't remember when we implemented it because I want to say it was happening while I was on the recruiting trail. And really, the beast that run that that entire uh, program for recruiting was literally recruiting. And so I, I, I wasn't as aware of it then. Um, and then it's like when I came back, I was like, what is this new thing we're doing? And I and to be completely honest, I feel like I was one of those people like you were talking about that wasn't accepting that change. And we were still doing the traditional old PT for quite a while until it opened my eyes and realized, hey, wait a second. This was a change that was implemented that we were directed to do. We It wasn't like we had leeway and we had a choice. We were directed to do it. And as a soldier, we still had to follow those uh, directives. Um, but then once I really researched it, and that's it, that's the whole point. So I felt a certain way about it. But then once I started learning, lifelong learning, right, Ed? Lifelong learning. You change. You can change your spots. I promise you can. Yeah. So once I started learning about it and I started researching all the different types of elements that can be involved in this, I thought to myself, I'm like, well, it wasn't that we changed what we were doing. It was just how we were doing it. And it gave it a little bit more system. And to tell you the truth, I felt like it gave us more freedom because, I mean, in that particular manual, uh, and, and, and that regulation, it gave us more options than what we used to have. And I'm talking about options as in using weightlifting to doing CrossFit style training to using mainly body weight type stuff to using exercise machines like uh, treadmills and elliptical machines and stuff, and then using different types of gear. And I thought to myself, I'm like, who wouldn't accept this once you read it? And you're like, and and the crazy this is the crazy part. You really didn't have to come up with your first uh, 30 or no, not 30. I'm sorry. 90 days worth of material because it gave you a, a breakdown of how to conduct your PT for 90 days. So you understood and then you could build your own plan off of that. So really, it came down to the research. Yep. So education, continue to learn, you know, look at why the army, why did the army come up with it? Because I can tell you when I first uh, started doing it, I didn't understand why the army even changed. Why do we change? Well, we changed because we were having some injury issues, and this was supposed to be designed to prevent that. And then here we are, 10 years after I remember it coming, right? And we're changing the program. <laughs> we're changing the test. We're not changing the program, but we're changing. The Army is changing their physical fitness test for the first time in like 40 years. I'm not sure the exact number, but it's like 40 years since they changed that test. So here comes change again. So that's a stressor. And you know what I've heard? You know what I've heard, too? That thing ain't no joke. No, I bet it's not because there's, well, I'm good on the deadlift. I can max the deadlift. <laughs> <laughs> what, hey, what, what, did, what did your old buddy Wright used to say about deadlifts? No. He said deadlifts equal promotions. <laughs> well, it does. He's not wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what we just did, we just basically linked the emotional negative bias to change, not the actual change itself. And I want to read something from the article that I felt was very important. I loved what she uh, had to say, what was said in this article. All right. Modern brain science helps explain why people naturally respond to negative negativity to change. The human brain has both logical and emotional systems. In the face of change, the emotional part takes over and sends alerts that cause stress. Adrenaline and other stress hormones are released and negative emotions dominate thinking. Your negative emotions dominate your thinking. You can't see past it. But that's the cool thing with this is this entire article 
it builds on how we can lead others through change or we can influence others through change. And then it goes into uh, uh, elements. But before we go further into that, while the emotional brain is powerful and can respond quickly to undermine thinking, the logical brain is actually more powerful when people have developed resilient skills. That's what helps them rationalize and solve problems. They can use it, exert control over the emotional brain to identify the triggers of stress and rein in the natural emotional response. Resilient skills can help people beat negativity bias. We're about to jump into some really important facts about resiliency. And Ed, what do you know about resiliency? Uh, so the Master Resiliency Training Course, uh, I went to it in 2015, 2016, and it's an excellent course. Probably one of the, So it's one of the more interesting courses that I've ever been to. It's a 10-day program, and it talks about resilient skills for the non-commissioned officers and the officers within the Army. And they've been doing it since 2009. I can tell you it was actually developed by the University of Pennsylvania, and in fact, in the beginning, you used to have to go to the University of Pennsylvania to get the course, and now they have some other uh, assets. And then for our listeners, we're going to have to add the link. Um, Comprehensive Fitness is the website for it. And this is oh, is this open to anybody? Is this open to like anybody, civilian sector, everybody? Yes, it's open to everybody. It's on there. At least the train. There's some some stuff you could read up on and stuff. Articles that's in there. Uh, that's open to anybody. And then um, I, I'm not sure about the. Um, the assessment tool. I think that's only for us independents, but there is good information there. So we'll have to take a look at uh, maybe putting that into the show notes for our listeners to maybe give them some more tools. I can tell you that they can get the uh, skills sheet that we're going to talk a little bit about some of the skills today for resilience and performance. They can get that on there. They can get access to that without being military. Oh, great. I mean, and I think that's what's going to help. Yeah, absolutely. And really to tell you the truth, yeah, and with this, you know, this whole um, as an influencer, influencing change, your job in this whole process, if you're maybe you're the one directing the change, uh, your job is to be able to help assist people through the change through by the utilization of these resiliency skills. You can help them build them up. Now, is everybody going to accept every resiliency? No, I mean, I, I I've seen people laugh at some of the skills, but. When you get down to it and you think about these different skills, I mean, to me, some are really good. And a lot of times we're already using them and don't even realize we're using them. Wouldn't you say? I, I would. So I'm going to tell you, last week, for the first time ever, um, I got to do a guest speaking for a Master Resiliency Training Assistant course, which basically they can't teach the course but they are there to kind of assist. They're like assistant instructors. You're training a classroom of assistant assistant instructors. And I got to guest speak at it. Well, the guy that I was uh, guest speaking for, Star First Class Abraham, so he is a licensed yoga and meditation instructor. So he was using that meditation tool, and they were doing meditation practices in class to help them. And... um I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. I actually downloaded the Sam Harris uh, free meditation thing. And I ain't gonna lie to you, man. I've been doing it to try to cope with some stress in my life uh, with the change for me. And uh, meditation is a tool that's out there. And Sam Harris will give you five free days. If you want the full package, you have to pay. But it, it's another good tool. So, 
Yeah, no, it was interesting being at a guest speaker and seeing that because I've never seen anybody teach that before. Well, that's great. I mean, you know, and that's funny that you brought that up because that's uh, actually one of the uh, one of the areas or techniques that influencers can help use. So, and we're going to cover that um, later on. All right. So, what we're what we're getting at is is the, you know the leaders or the influencers they need to be active in these levels uh, of their these different levels that we're going to are the core skills that we're going to talk about. They're going to need to be active in this because if you don't stay active in it you're not gonna be able to monitor progress to further assist because that's what influencers do. We, we not, not only do you influence people to do what's right in the face of danger, all of that, but you also influence them by staying active, almost in like a coaching or mentorship type program. So what we have is three core skills that are needed. Three core skills. Number one. One, like it, let's get started. <laughs> all right, how we take in and filter information. Brian, is that communication? That is very much so communication. So how we take in and then filter it out. For instance, if I said, all right, hey, listen, Ed, we are going to have to change the format on this particular podcast because I don't think we're reaching our message correctly on certain. So what I'll need you to do is I need you to really focus your message on only business partners in the sector of uh, project management and their skills. You probably just said, why did you just say that? And where did that come from? Right? I'm blaming myself. I, I, so yeah, if if you don't take that in, right? If you don't take it. So if I don't have that the relationship that I do with you and I understand these things, I might take that as you're blaming me. Hey, the, the format's not working because of you, Ed. And now you're trying to focus just me because we, we you didn't use words like we in there. Mm -hmm. So our communication was a little off and you weren't, you were getting a feeling from it that you felt like you were doing the wrong thing or you weren't doing something that was progressing um, our efforts with this whole instinctive influencer community. By the way, uh, shout out to everybody who's on the closed Facebook group page. We love you. We thank you. If you're not a part of it, 101 Influence in your search bar at Facebook, join the group. All right. So what I'm <laughs> getting at is this. <laughs> you like that plug? I, I like that. Join our tribe. <laughs> that's it. Join our tribe, our community, our people. But that's and, and that's what I'm saying is is um you you translated the message. You you basically took in what you felt from it and you filtered it, but you filtered it in a certain manner. All right. Number two. Number two. How we act in response to challenges. How we act in response. So we had we took in the information, we communicated the information, and then it's how we reflect it, how we act in response to this challenge that is about to come to us, you know, in the change. So I, I have a quote about this, and I might mess this quote up, but uh, a wise young lad once said, when the going gets tough, make it harder. Am I close? <laughs> you, you're very close. Um, the wise young lad, <laughs> he's, it's... Hey, buddy, <laughs> this is how it goes. Hey, buddy, when life gets tough, make it harder. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent quote by Ian Weber that I think applies here, though, sometimes hey, how we act and respond. Sometimes we make it harder. And why, how do we make it harder? We make it harder because we, we lose control. We start stressing out about it. And, you know, um, another wise person, the Bearded Ninja, told me, Hey, uh, nobody's shooting at us. It's not that serious. Uh, we talked about so, and I, we've talked about that before uh, on a previous episode. Yeah, and I think about it. 
I think about that and how I respond to challenges. Uh, nobody's shooting at us right now. And I've been trying to get my wife to do it. It doesn't work out the same for a civilian. She gets the idea of it though. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, you, you, and I guess, I guess maybe another way to put it there is no one's taking your paycheck right now. Right? No. So, I mean, it, it's how you respond and how you, you, you handle a situation. You have to understand. So it's self-awareness, which is going to come in a later episode, but you have to be aware of yourself. I know me, my first instinct is to get let myself get stressed out. And then I realize that and I take steps to be like, okay, let's think about it. Is it really that crucial? Is that is it that serious? And that helps uh, when you face a difficult time and a challenge. Absolutely. And, and that's, I mean, and you think about it, challenges come with any type of change because you're basically what you're doing is you're taking people out of their habit and you're creating a new habit or you're creating a new process or something new that they fear because their emotion took over and their response to that is what is key. So we have to, as leaders, we have to be active in the response of the challenge. All right. So next thing up, number three, number three, how we interact with others. This right here is key. All right. So if I gave Ed a challenge or a change that we we're going to do, and then he in turn interacted with others within our tribe or our community, and he twisted it a little bit, he turned it to a negative nature. How do you think that's going to affect the change overall? Well, so now not only did I not buy into your change, but because I twisted what you really your intent or your vision, now we have others in our tribe that may not embrace your change either because of what I, how I put the spin on it. So yeah, now I'm spreading, I'm spreading my, my upset, my, my, my anger over this change. Yeah, exactly. And I would tell you, it's funny that, you know, and you, you gave it exactly the way I visioned it to be said, um, how we interact with others, we can interact in a positive manner or a negative manner. That's really all there is. There's no, there's no even keel because either you're going to spin it to be good or you're going to spin it to be bad. Um, I can tell you when we made that major change you talked about in the education system for the NCOs, uh, there was a lot of people, uh, they were starting to get, there was people that were given that negative vibe of, well, we're not professors. Well, that's not what we're creating. We're not trying to create professors. So it was the ability of those of us who were kind of, you know, building this change together that we had to stay in tune with everyone. And, you know, some people may have thought, well, you know, he was just being a little bit too neurotic about it. No, I just want to make sure everybody got the correct message every time because no one was going to be a professor from what we were changing. Instead, what we're going to be is more effective trainers, more effective facilitators. And that's where, you know, when I said earlier, influencers and leaders, they need to be active in these core skills because what you're doing is you're being observant of each one of these three. And then we're going to go over six little areas of those three. But you have to be observant of those three areas to allow the change to take place. So let's move into the six skills that these uh, three core skills include. All right. I got number one is personal responsibility. You want to talk about that one? Absolutely. 
All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off what, uh, what's being said here about personal responsibility. The belief that successes or failures at work are determined by one's talents and motivations rather than external forces such as luck or good timing. People who show personal responsibility are likely to engage in proactive behaviors and persist in the face of adversity. What do you think personal responsibility sounds like, Ed? That sounds like, let me think, it's right there. Extreme ownership. It sounds like something discussed by Jocko and Leif Babin in the book Extreme Ownership. That You're correct. And that's what it is. What we're doing is we create extreme ownership within the change. For instance, if I have a major change like we did, because if you remember correctly, you remember how uh, we segregated up um, all the different little areas of change uh, within that major change in the in the education system there. Yeah, so you took the different classes within the curriculum and you separated them and assigned groups. That's right. Is that what you're talking about? Yep, absolutely. And so what you did was you basically give them that and you said, all right, this is what I'm asking from you with this change. I need you to go over this, dissect it, pull out the key areas, and then you're going to re- and then you're going to brief it to everyone else. What that did was it gave them ownership over that content. So each person was a part of a group. They were a part of a group that were, that were identifying key areas. So what we did is you made them feel uh, crucial or important in that major change. Yeah. You know, no, I remember that. I actually remember some people being upset that they weren't in charge of groups because they wanted more uh, personal responsibility in that. Oh yeah. And, and you know, I'll tell you the truth. It was funny because, um, there was one, one in particular individual, uh, he came to me and he said, I just don't understand why you didn't put me in charge of X, Y, Z. I said, well, I didn't know you wanted to be, you didn't show a desire towards it. So what we did was we communicated, we showed, I mean, if you think about it, that was, <clears throat> he basically, uh, he filtered the information and then he had a response to the challenge. And then we interacted together, not with others, but together. And then we came up with a solution. And what I did was, as I said, all right, you know what? What was it the area that you were really interested in that you want to be part? He's like, well, I really want to be a part of the PRT part. And I'm like, which is, you know, the physical readiness training. I'm like, no problem. You're on it, brother. And uh, he took it and he ran with it. And we got some amazing products because he wanted to be a part of it. And that's really, that's what it comes down to. If you give them some responsibility now, we may task people with responsibilities, but they don't want it so much. It's going to be harder to get the product you want out of them. That's why you have to set expectations. And expectations are what help incubate that change that they have to develop. Okay. I think I actually know exactly who you're talking about because I know his personality. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't like to throw names out there yet because I hadn't talked to any of these people. Uh, but all right. So we're going to go to number two. Number two. Realistic optimism. The ability to see the world in a positive yet grounded way. Reali- realistic optimis- optimists recognize that things don't always go as planned, but maintain focus and work towards the desired outcome. Mm, I will tell you. In our career field, if you think everything goes as planned in our career field, you haven't been doing either. You haven't been doing it very long, or you haven't been paying attention because uh, that that's one of those things. It's not going to go as planned, so you have to have those contingency plans. But you have to be optimistic that at the end you're going to achieve the desired result. 
you just may take a different path. It's not going to be a straight line. Bam, there's my goal, straight line to it. You're probably going to have a little squiggly in there, maybe a curve, maybe even a sharp turn, but you still want to end up at that goal at the end. It's funny you say this. Um, I this that particular skill, realistic uh, optimism, the bearded ninja and myself, we've used it on each other, and it's it's <laughs> I can I I can I can visualize I can actually visualize the moments these things happen. Like for instance, maybe I went to his office and I said, "Hey, sir, we got this issue." Blah blah blah, and his answer back, I use the same answer. That's why I know the answer. His answer back was, "Okay, we can do this." Now. Did he say that it was great? It was wonderful. No, he basically verbalized some realistic optimism that it can be done. You know, he'd come to my office and he'd sit in the chair. He's like, all right, well, so this is what, this is blah, 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 this, and this is going on. Or what are we going to do? My very answer is, okay, we can do this. (laughs) And then what we did is we sat there and brainstormed with solutions. We picked from those solutions and we said, all right, we're going to go with this. And I'm telling you that the tone for the change started with that realistic opti- uh, you know, optimism. That That's what started the motion. But if let's say he came to me and he he said, blah, 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 whatever. Um, we have to do this. And I, if I replied with, I don't, we'll never get it done. That very statement is setting the tone from the beginning of the change. And I'm telling you, you most likely failure is going to set in because you weren't optim, uh, you know, weren't a, you know, realistic in optimism in it enough to allow that change to happen. Yeah, no, I, I was, I used to be very guilty of the whole, yeah, that that's not gonna, we're not gonna be able to do that. And um, I wish I could remember the quote about Michael Jordan and the shots, but um, you can, you you can't say, oh, we can't do it, and you haven't tried yet. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got a job based off of that within the military because, hey, the the first sergeant, he asked the other guy, hey, get me this and this. And the guy's like, yeah, I can't do that. And then same stuff. He says, hey, uh, Sergeant Haley, I need you to get me this and this. Roger, first sergeant. Let me see what I can do. And then I tried. And then I come back and say, hey, first sergeant, I wasn't able to get you a barber's kit in NTC National Training Center in the middle of the desert in California. But I tried. The other guy doesn't, right? So we get back from the National Training Center. The other guy is taken out of his job, and I'm called to the office and say, "Hey, sorry, Haley, congratulations, you're uh, you're going to move into this job." So it was like, "Oh, okay." And it was really just because I didn't tell him no. I said, "All right, let me see what I can work out." Yeah, I mean, and there are places where you know no is needed. So if we're going to do something illegal, immoral, unethical, obviously a no is definitely justified. But you completely agree. You were looking for a barber set, which is a pair of clippers, some scissors, some uh, maybe some brushes, <laughs> some brush guards to cut hair, so soldiers could maintain discipline. Which I, I'm telling you, um, let me branch off a second this morning i was listening to i sent it to ed actually i was listening to some motivational speaking by jocko himself and he got on this rant of discipline and i was just like this guy sees it like no one else and i love what his words of wisdom have to say uh but discipline equals freedom that's what he said (laughs) i mean he has the book too and everything but uh, i have the field manual (laughs) oh do you do you enjoy it yep i i do enjoy it i got a deal on it Went to another spot here in Germany to one of the uh, other bases. Only one on the shelf. And my wife's like, you have to have this. My wife even does the Jocko voice. You got to have this. So, <laughs> like, uh, 
I did pick it up. It's interesting. It's not really a, a sit down and, and read, read. It's kind of a, it's actually on my coffee table here in the warrior lounge uh, for people to look at when they come in, when I have guests or whatever. Yeah. And I figured that what it'd be, it, it's a, um, it's a, like a coffee table type book that you just kind of go through here and there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and that's, and that's a realistic optimism um, of is having that discipline to get through things and, and to be able to uh, find the right solution instead of saying, I just can't do it. All right. So we're going to move on. Number three, number three, 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 <laughs> self-composure. All right. What it says here is the ability to manage stress and remain calm under pressure. Simply recognizing stress triggers is a good start in maintaining productivity. Composure helps people move forward productively when faced with the challenge. That right there in itself can be probably one of the most challenging things to anyone in dealing with the change. Because what I said earlier, the stressors create a negative bias, which then turns the brain into this whole negative, I don't want to accept change thing. Understanding when you're in that moment of stress or understanding that your brain has triggered those stress triggers, that's what's key to this entire thing. So remember that every bit of it. When you're an influencer, or you're a leader. What's triggering your your uh, your uh, subordinate stress? What is what's getting them to that point where they're realizing uh, that they're overwhelmed, that they feel overwhelmed? Are you monitoring their progress? Because really, if it all comes down to it, you think about it: a leader, a manager, an influencer. Their job is to monitor the individuals that work for them in that organization. Are you sitting at a desk in an office, locked up, cooped up? And have no idea what's going on because if that's the type of person you are, you're not able to properly monitor them and to see, are they stressed? What's going on? You know, I don't know how many times Ed had came to my office and he'd say, Hey man, what, what do you got on your plate that we can help take off your plate at, you know, at our, in our little cell. And I'm like, well, I got this or this. Can you help me out here? And sure enough, yeah, we got it. But that was a way to help self-composure to happen for me because I was able to help offload something that I knew, all right, I'm overloaded and the stress triggers, uh, seem to dissipate a bit. Yeah, no. And so you talk about, uh, the sitting in your office, oh man, it drives me nuts. You talk about sitting in your office. Well, maybe, maybe you should refer back to our toxic influencers episode, because if you're just sitting in your office and you don't know what's going on, it's a really good chance you fall into that realm because you do need to monitor especially so we have a suicide episode right so if you got that person who's out of sorts which is a trigger or a a sign of a, a somebody who could be possibly heading unfortunately towards suicide well you don't know that from your office you don't know that if you're not boots on the ground now i got it we got work to do we got emails to send stretch your legs walk around see your employees speak to them, interact with them, because then you're building winning streaks with them that are going to pay off for you later on. And you're more aware of what's going on and what you'll know what their stressors are. And that's, I mean, to me, that's kind of like one of those areas that if you, if you're really staying in touch, you know, the three core skills, like we talked about, you're going to notice the idea of stress kicking in. All right. So we're going to move on to number four, number four, four, four. (laughs) problem solving. This is my favorite. I love problem solving. Uh, The ability to solve problems is crucial in helping people identify solutions to situations 
others might find overwhelming or overly complex. That right there to me is that's like a key aspect of influencing change. It's problem solving, but big butt here, do not solve everyone's problems for them. That's not your job as an influencer. Um, I've read some really terrific books. I've got one that's on my iPad. I actually got two really good coaching books that are on my iPad. And I would tell you that they help you see the actual length of, of helping people through coaching in itself. The first one is called The Coaching Mindset, Eight Ways to Think Like a Coach. And the other one, The Coaching Habit, Say less, ask more, and change the way you lead forever. I'll link those in the show notes below. Um, Make sure you check those out. Very good. I love what they say because this is the deal. Um, Those are two books that teach you how to ask the right questions so people solve their own problems. Instead of you being the know-it-all problem solver for them, they are able to solve their problems, which is part of the reason why... You as an influencer or a leader, you have to be involved so you can identify that and you don't have to fix their problems. Maybe you just need to give them the right questioning so they have an understanding on how to fix their problems. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about problem solving back with uh, realistic optimism. You talked about, you know, we said everything's not going to be a straight line to your objective. Some things are going to come up along the way. And then you're going to go here to number four, use your problem solving to get yourself back on track. Uh, there's a reason that the military teaches problem solving at every level because it is just that important. And it's definitely upon the echelon level of the problem itself because, to tell you the truth, a problem that a young soldier um, who just came in the Army that they have, in most cases, I'm not going to say all the time, but in most cases, it's gonna not it's not going to be as uh, broad or uh, affect as many people as, say, a general. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously a general is going to affect way more per- people than it is a, a soldier. You know, now, I mean, there are some instances with some really drastic problems. We're not going to cover those. I don't like to, I don't like to, you know, make that a, a glamour shot or anything like that for this whole um, influencing thing. But it, it, understanding the level of problem, that's key because <clears throat> if it's a problem that you can fix at your level, That's probably the best solution to, but it's being able to identify that problem to ensure that it, it's not something beyond your reach. Uh, uh, All right. So let's move. What's up? I'm sorry. Before you move on. So the other thing that I thought you said that was really key is don't solve all the problems because uh, whether you're in a civilian world or you're a military, my job is to train my replacement so that I can advance Well, if I do all the problem solving, you're going to have somebody to replace me that can't solve problems. And now we've got a new problem we got to work on, right? So you have to train your replacement so you you can't solve all the problems. Now, obviously, the bigger problem, solve it at the appropriate level, but train your subordinates, train your your peers, train whoever you can to uh, properly identify and solve problems. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's why I definitely want to tell people, check out those books that I recommend in the show notes below about coaching, because coaching is going to help you train them and mentor them in problem solving. Once again, if you constantly fix it, 
then they'll never use that critical thinking themselves to solve that problem. Um, and that's maybe that's probably I definitely think that's going to be another show for the future is going to be, you know, influencing through critical thinking. But uh, as you know, I digress. Number five. Number cinco. Oh, bilingual, are you? <laughs> Changed it up. All right. Goal orientation. The tendency to set appropriate goals, monitor progress, and adjust accordingly. In any case, a goal is probably one of the best things you can set for a change, no matter the level of change. Because what it does is it helps you achieve a certain point within that change. Like, like for instance... Let's say I'm changing an eating habit, right? I want to change my eating habit to eat less junk food, more healthy food, and decrease my hours that I eat. Well, what's my goal to get that done? I can't just say, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I have to create a goal. So one, all right, my goal is to eat less foods that have X amount of sugars and carbs. Um, my goal would be to... Uh, set designated times that I definitely want to try to create uh, meals within to eat um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, but I want to do it within only an eight hour period. Uh, it's a lot like the intermittent fasting I, I've talked about before. Um, and then my goal is to lose X amount of weight within an X amount of time. But that goal might not come from just changing how I eat. So now what have I just done? I've just created a goal that is actually how I eat and possibly the physical activity that I have to, uh, you know, create to be able to meet that overall goal of losing weight. So creating goals is a key point. And as an influencer, that's what you should ask those that you're dealing with. You'll ask them, well, what's your goal in this? Where do you see yourself in six months from now or two months from now with this major change? What do you want to accomplish you help them build that goal. Yeah, and the goal, so the goal has to be realistic. So when you get the the message and we started this curriculum change, you can't, the unrealistic goal is to say, hey, in 60 days, you guys will be absolutely proficient in this new curriculum 100%. That's not realistic. So we have to set something realistic and, I, and you have to give them small pieces, right? So when I taught them what's called the experiential learning model, my team and I, we taught them one thing, and I believe it was your suggestion. We taught them one piece and then we checked that they understood that piece. And then we taught them the next piece and then we checked. And our goal was, hey, you will understand this segment. Got it. All right. Everybody understands that. Let's move to the next one because it's those small wins. I remember when I used to run a lot, they used to tell you, don't go out and say, hey, I'm running 10 miles. That's my goal. No, my goal is to get to that stoplight that's a half mile away. My goal is to get to the fire station that's a mile away. So you set those small goals so that you have them in sight and it builds that confidence as you're moving. Wow, I'm already five miles in. I didn't even realize it. So goals are important. They have to be realistic and they have to be achievable. You can't set some unrealistic goal because you're just hurting yourself and your confidence. And when it comes to change, same thing. We got this major change. All right, what are the small milestones or gates we want to hit along the way to get to this ultimate goal? I have two points from that. As you were saying all that, I was like, wow, that makes total sense. You know, even, even I'm sitting here talking about it with you and you're bringing, you're bringing more light, you know, to my brain matter. You're turning that gray matter, swishing it around a little bit for me. But <laughs> um, with that, so for instance, 
I, had, I and I don't know the truth of it. Um, I'm just speaking on hearsay type situation. But that was a major change we had within our education system there at, at the academy. And I mean, I would tell you, I was ecstatic about it because I thought it was probably one of the best changes that I've ever seen. Um, but I had heard through the grapevine that some people weren't training up their people until like uh, maybe a month out from implementing. And I thought to myself, I was like, how is that possible? How are they going to actually implement this in a decent amount of time by not training, you know, up to a certain, now, like, once again, I can't testify to anybody who had done something particular. That's not, not, that's not exactly what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is we actually trained. If you remember correctly, Ed, we started in November of 2017 and our training lasted from November, 2017 until like June-ish of 2018. Yeah, June. We, it was June. We spread that training out so far, but it was to allow that incubation period because it took a long time to incubate the change. If you just say, hey, change it now. Oh my goodness. You, I'm telling you, you would think somebody had killed the president or something. And I'm not saying, but you would think something like total uh, catastrophe happened. Oh, catastrophe. But, I like it. I like the word. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Yeah. And And then, Oh no no! I was just agreeing with you that you're you're absolutely right. Like you can't hit somebody, and we know we get last minute stuff, but you can't something like that. A huge change. Um, I'll tell you. So I just bought my my second vehicle here in Germany, and the folks I bought it for from they were contractors over here, and their contract got term or contract got terminated. They had thirty seven days to leave the country and be back, go back to the states. 37 days to get rid of a house, get their property shipped off, sell their vehicles that were German spec so they couldn't take them back. 37 days to make that major change. Can you imagine the stress in their life over something like that? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I I couldn't I couldn't even I true. Uh that's All right. So, but what else I wanted to throw in there is because what I I really enjoyed what you were talking about when you're talking about the change and how it was implemented and you were talking about the train up and your, your particular team had been doing. What I liked about it is, so when we dissected how we were going to train them up to create this change, we actually looked at how they were supposed to start teaching, you know, the new format, the ELM, as you spoke of, and we decided that's probably the best manner to teach them this new stuff. So what we were doing is, is sort of be what we call uh, in the army as train the trainer, but we're doing it so that way they could see it actively engaged and how it worked. And to me, that's probably a key area of, you know, the goal orientation. Um, it, it, to me, it falls in, you know, the other ones too, you know, personal responsibility and realistic, realistic optimism. Uh, but, that was a key aspect that allowed us to remold what these instructors already knew and did to become better than what they were. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Number six, number six, number six. So you said number six in Spanish, where you can't do German now. Uh, no, (laughs) not yet. Oh, I see. I see how this is. All right. So, I, I can ask for a wine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number six is courageous communication. I'm t- I mean, it seems like every podcast that we've done, every episode, there's something to do with communication involved. 
Wouldn't you say? It's almost like communication is a major pillar of influence. Because it is. It's crazy. Because it, it is. is. Yes. Communication. Yes. Communication, communication. Can't preach it enough. All right. So courageous communication. The ability to deal with others in a candid and appropriate way, even in challenging circumstances. People who can effectively initiate and manage difficult conversations elevate their influence and are more productive. That that right there speaks to me in volumes. They're able to take that information. They're able to communicate it even when it's difficult to. I, I, let me tell you. We're going to keep referencing back probably to the same situation, but when I was, um, I was away for training to learn about the new program, um, myself and another, another individual that works with us, we were dissecting all the information we were receiving and realizing, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do, blah, blah, blah. As we were going through it, I, in my brain, I was actually wargaming the type of the type of conversations I needed to have with individuals because I knew their um, their learning style or their interaction style, and to me, that's exactly it was. To me, it was difficult conversations to have with certain uh, people to get them to buy into the new program, and right there alone, that is influence in itself. How do you look at the change? How do you dissect it just a little bit? To where you give Joe one message. You give Adam a second message. Same message, just change a little bit. You talk to Sarah. Now she has a same message, just changed a little bit. So each one of them can take at the aspects that ref- that affect them and they can implement the change. Mm, yeah. I think that uh, courageous communication is why you go to the bearded ninja too, oh, because he's going yeah. to be honest and, and upfront with you. And he's going to give an explanation. He's not just going to tell you, yeah, that's crazy. He's going to say, here's why that's not going to be effective. And I think because he he's, he's not going to hold back. That's probably why you communicate so much with him. Well, I, uh, I've actually told him it was funny. You're gonna laugh at this, but the other day I told him, I said, man, I should be paying you. You're like my therapist. <laughs> I'm serious. So he, he's, he's a great, he's a great guy. I really want to get him on the show. I hope, I hope I can get him to, um, I wanted to say yes. I'm, I'm working him. I'm working him hard, but I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. So, um, all right. So we're going to move on. Uh, we just talked about those six different areas. Now what we're going to do is we're going to go into the techniques for increased resilience. Mm. And there's three major techniques, but in each one of those techniques, what we did was, is we took and dissected the actual MRT skills that the army has taught us. And we dissected and put them in each one of those three techniques uh, for the increase. So we're going to kind of, we're going to hit upon each major area. And then we're going to talk about the small ones. And Ed is the master <laughs> resilience trainer that, um, He's the master of master resilience trainer. I, that's where I see it um, because he's taught me a lot about it. But what we'll do is we're just going to cover each one just a little bit so you have an understanding. And that way you can also reference the same sheet. It's open to the public. So make sure you check it out because it'll help you as an influencer. Maybe it's a technique you can use or a skill you can use. All right. So we have three. Three. Three techniques. That's right. Three techniques for increased uh, resilience. The very first technique is use active thinking. I'm going to read through what use active thinking is, and then we're going to talk about each of the five uh, skills that we put underneath there. So the emotional brain has a tendency to take over in times of stress or challenge. 
That takeover can cause resistance or sabotage results. People often make false assumptions, focus on the worst aspects, or ignore the positives. A more appropriate response is to slow down and actively challenge those automatic thoughts with active thinking. In the face of a challenge, pause to think about things in a rational way. What are the facts? How have things worked out previously? What can be learned from previous situations? By exercising active thinking, people flex their logical brain to counteract the emotional brain and are able to move forward in a positive way. What are the what what's the first one we have underneath there? Active thinking there, big man. De- detect icebergs. And this is basically just figuring out which core values and beliefs you have that can cause an out of proportion emotion or reaction to something. So the thing they always use, the reason it's called icebergs is if you ever see a a picture of a real iceberg, there's what you see above the surface. And then there's what you see below the waterline, which is usually significantly larger. Those are your icebergs. That's what you're trying to figure out is what makes me think this way about this change so that you can counter it. If you think about it, really, you know, so detecting an iceberg, uh, the Titanic was taken down by an iceberg because of what they did not see. And that's kind of think about it in think about it in a metaphorical way of what is it that you're not seeing that could take this whole situation down? How do we how do we figure out what those icebergs are? Well, they give us they actually give us um, a solution to this. It's called use what questions to help identify the iceberg using what questions? Yeah, no, and, and that's a that one's trained a lot, but it is important. Um, because we all have an iceberg. You all have, we all have some kind of iceberg and we have to understand them. Yep. All right. So we're going to go to number two, problem solving. Identify your thoughts about why the problem happened. Identify other factors with critical questions, test them for accuracy, and then identify solution strategies. So we talked a little bit about problem solving earlier, but this is, where you figure out why something happened. Why is there a problem? Why am I having a problem with this change? And you have to be honest and you have to use critical thinking skills uh, to try to overcome it. I think you can relate this also to um, what we have talked about previously on Simon Sinek's Start With Why. Um, His Start With Why is really, um, it's about your why in life. But you can use those same questions that you're asking in the Start With Why to find your why in life to actually build on problem solving because that's what you're doing with a start with why you're you're you found a problem with the problem being what is your why and then you're solving it through this technique that he developed and i would recommend to many of you to get that book get the paperback it's not very expensive on amazon we're just recommending things for people to improve their lives so let's uh number three so this one was one of my favorite ones when we, when i went through the course but it's put it in perspective so this is where you you know you immediately think worst case scenario, and this is supposed to reduce your anxiety and help you get out of that way of thinking. You what you're going to do is you generate the best case. I mean, absolute, or you generate the worst case, and you got to get kind of just just play it out as far um, the way we did it, and then what happens, and then what happens, right? And then you generate your best case, and same thing, and then what happens. And then you sit and you think about these two things and you say, okay, what's the most likely thing that's going to happen? 
and you develop a plan for dealing with the most likely outcome. So basically, just to give you a quick gist of it, so my daughter was in an art program when I went through the course, and she had just told me she was going to be doing some um, nude drawings. And so, of course, I I was having issues with it and catastrophizing. So what I did is on this exercise, I did it with another guy. Pretty much she went from uh, meeting the male model, being attracted to him, to marrying him to finding out he was a member of ISIS, like just really ridiculous with worst case scenario. Then the best case scenario was she, and she likes the model. She falls in love with the model. He's rich and I never work a day in my life. Uh, but what really was most likely to happen is she was going to be professional. This person's probably done it before they were going to be professional. She was going to learn something in and draw. And uh, so it helped me to kind of lessen my stress about my young uh, 18-year-old daughter having to draw a nude model. And what ended up happening is it was a woman instead of a man. So it worked out better for me anyway. Hey, there you go. And and I love that story because it really what helps is it helps the listeners understand what putting it in perspective is by actually going through an active um, scenario that you did. And I would tell you, um, those of you who are listening, if you want to understand to put it in perspective, just test it your own on your own self and and then and then help others you know through your influence use that same method. All right. So now we're gonna move on to number four under the use active thinking. It's mental games. Yeah, mental games, uh basically this is trying to change your focus and get you away from you know that negative uh bias, negative thinking. And, and they're just things that uh, really uh, busy, busy your thoughts. Uh, one of them I can remember is it was like name a song that starts with every letter of the alphabet. And you start working through it. And as you get through it, it kind of brings your stress level down um, and, and helps you to start thinking clear and get rid of that counterproductive thinking. That's it. And, and you know, being able to clear your mind is probably one of those key areas of any type of resiliency through a change because your mind becomes cluttered with that negativity. And when it gets cluttered, it, it's almost like it stops all positive, uh, receptors, you know, and it's, and it's, it's like, okay, you know, you picture, picture like a stop, uh, stoplight and there's a police officer standing there and he's letting traffic go through but he's holding up this one side and he just doesn't let it just gets backed up, and backed up and backed up. Well, they found new routes to go wherever they wanted and it never get to, got to go through the route it needed to go through. That's what I think of when I think of mental games. All right. Uh, let's we'll move on. Number five, integrating imagery. All right. This is mentally rehearsing successful performance to program the mind and body to perform uh, automatically without hesitation. And this is a, a you know, uh, so you, you and I talk about the gym today. As a matter of fact, you were at the gym just before this. And a lot of times, if you're getting ready to do like a heavy lift, something heavier than you've normally done, you're supposed to kind of have a, a, a moment and imagine yourself successfully moving that weight up off the ground if you're deadlifting and up to your waist with proper form. And it, and the mental the mental thinking helps you to or the uh, integrating imagery it helps you to overcome that hesitation because that hesitation could be your enemy you know in the gym or on the uh basketball court you know i remember when i grew up playing basketball you're taught to imagine every shot going through that hoop and and that's all this basically is so when you look at a change 
All right, you want to start thinking of that change and and look at it like, okay, this can work. Here's what it looks like if it works. And, and hey, Barney said uh, your imagination is important, so use it. That's great. That's and <clears throat> that comes with. Um, I, f- I find that to be uh, very much associated with the uh, the positive affirmation um, and and giving yourself positive affirmation. Uh, for instance, uh, I I did a link some time back. It was Conor McGregor. And how it was, it was a thing he was going through about positive affirmation. And I really liked what it had to say because he was talking about, he said, you know, I was driving this jalopy crappy car, but I was, I was, you know, using those mental images or integrating images of picturing myself driving on the California coast in a draw, um, in a convertible Bentley. And he said, he told himself, he said, I will do that. I will have that. And he pictured himself doing it to where the point where he actually has done that now, you know, because he worked hard enough to do such a thing. So, uh, that's a great skill. Love it. Um, but now we're going to move on to number two of the techniques called practice mindfulness. Let me read real quick what this is. And then we're going to jump through each one. Life is hectic and distractions are commonplace, especially at work. As a result, people spend an inordinate amount of time revealing the past and worrying about the future. Most of these thoughts are negative and unhelpful. Mindfulness is the practice of focusing attention and awareness on the present moment without judging actions as either good or bad. Mindfulness can be developed in a number of ways, including including through breathing techniques, adjusting schedules for better focus, meditation, exercise, or periodically disconnecting from technology. Disconnecting from technology. Mm. <laughs> it happens. You know, those are, those are some, but looking at that, you know, um, that's why, you know, a lot of the, you know, under this one, there's actually six different areas that felt that was, you know, could fall underneath practicing mindfulness, but really it's, I mean, have to be observant and constantly observant. It's not easy all the time because sometimes we get in our own little world and we get stuck doing something else, but just practicing that, uh, you know, that, observant uh mindset it really helps out so let's go into number one what's number one there you think activating event thoughts and consequences identify your thoughts about an activating event and the activating event is just basically it's a trigger it's something that happens uh identify your thoughts about activating event and the consequences of those thoughts thoughts not the activating event drive consequences emotions and reactions all right so basically that's what it's saying what's the activating event well the activating event can be uh i went out to my car and my tire was flat that's an activating event and then i gotta think about where i'm gonna go from there am i gonna flip out all right that's why it says uh thoughts not the activating event drive the consequences what's my thought process when i see this tire is it going straight to okay i'll just have to call uh, AAA or USA or whoever, or is it going to, of course it happened to me. Of course it's flat right now because it's always from an earlier episode, it's always something with me in this car, but it's not, it's just today. And, uh, so understanding those things is how you control your thought process. And that's what drives your consequences. Oh, I love that. That was, that was a great example, man. All right. So we're going to move on. Avoid thinking traps, avoid thinking traps. 
So identify and correct overly rigid patterns and thinking through the use of mental cues and critical questions. Mental cues and critical questions help to identify the information you miss because of a thinking trap. So this is just kind of your biases. You have ways of thinking about things and you have to be aware of those things so it doesn't cloud your judgment when you're making a decision or you're solving a problem. So earlier we talked about problem solving as a skill for uh for you know for dealing with change well if i have a thinking trap it could block my road to solving that problem but if i can identify it i can overcome it yeah great great example um or great idea of 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 or how you you go through that process but really i i i like to think about because this one this one gets me sometimes because what i i feel like a thinking trap could also be considered overthinking at some points because I will find I will find myself overthinking a situation and overanalyzing it. And I be I just fall into this. I'm just constantly in thought process about it. And I'm trapped in that thought process instead of just saying, okay, I need to stop thinking about that right now. Um, I I need to be observant of my mental cues that are going on. And I need to step away from it because sometimes you can, you can't actually do that. You can overthink a situation. And if you're an influencer and you're <clears throat> helping somebody through, um, you know, some type of resilient skill and you're trying to help them get out of the thinking trap, easy question, easy. What are you thinking about right now? That uh, easy, easy question. Use it. I'm telling you, it will help out because they're going to express it. Hopefully now, if, if, if the communication is there, that needs to be. All right. What do you think, Ed? Next one or what? Uh, the next one is real-time resilience. So real-time resilience, um, and I really haven't highlighted it, real-time resilience actually helps you to overcome thinking traps. And a lot of these skills build on each other. So when you think about thinking traps, counterproductive thinking, real-time resilience shuts down counterproductive thinking to enable greater concentration of focus on the task at hand. It stops you from overthinking or underthinking something it helps you fight back against counterproductive thoughts by using evidence optimism and perspective an earlier skill we talked about right put it in perspective so that you can see these mrt skills or these master resilience trainer skills they really build on one another and they they, they intermingle some of them don't but for the most part they do um so yeah, that's what real-time resilience is just shutting down that counterproductive thinking and getting to where you need to go. Oh yeah. I that that is exactly, you know, I'm glad I'm glad that was the next thing we talked about cuz it really did feed right off of uh the avoid thinking traps and being resilient right then and I love those the the last thoughts by using evidence, optimism or perspective. And I you know, Evidence in the situation. So here's the change that's happening. What's the evidence of that change and how it's going to be implemented? And then have an optimism. We can do this. We just have to work together. Or I can do this. I just have to learn the concept to be able to effectively use it. And then putting it in perspective. Uh, putting things in perspective. Uh, and it can, you know, we we mentioned earlier with use active thinking. But putting it in perspective of like, putting yourself, you know, through that whole, uh, catastrophic thinking or, you know, or, you know, going above and thinking about the good side of things to be able to further understand that will help you avoid that thinking trap. Because now what you're doing is you're coming up with multiple solutions of good and bad. And with that, it helps you, 
um, look at the problem or look at the change in a different manner. Now, as an influencer, really, it's just your questioning. You know, you have to understand what evidence, optimism, and perspective are. So now you you gear your questions to those you're influencing towards those three areas. Oh, yeah. No, and it's a good tool for an influencer. And the next skill actually builds on it again. Uh, the next skill is identify character strengths in yourself and others. So identify your top character strengths and those of others and identify ways to use those character strengths to increase your effectiveness and strengthen your relationships. Well, if I understand my character strengths, then I know how to use real-time resilience in order to shut down my counterproductive thinking. And then I can go ahead and also use that to avoid my thinking trap. So you can see that we're still building one off of the other. You just have to understand who you are. Strengths and weaknesses are important too. You need to understand those as well as the people around you. Absolutely. And then as the influencer, to be able to also know the people you're working with be, or the people that you you happen to be dealing with, because if you understand them, you will kind of know their their flaws or their, their positives um, in their character, you know, Character and talent are two different things. So you have to make sure that you understand. Um, Joe may be really good at producing widgets. He is very good working on the line, uh, creating these things. But his character is he's very negative in nature. All right. So he's pessimistic. How can you identify changing what he's doing on that line and creating these widgets? How do you how do you effectively use his character strengths and weaknesses to be able to change his job within on that line. Well, it's just understanding that person and understanding their character. And as an influencer, if you understand that you'll get much further than if you are, you if you're out of touch with them, you're going to have a lot more problems. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Number five, energy management. Energy management is simply just being able to regulate self-regulation skills to effectively modulate and restore energy in order to thrive under pressure. I like that thrive under pressure. You got to understand how your mind and body activation levels impact performance, prioritize controllable factors that influence mind and body activation, practice deliberate breathing. I'm going to come right back to that and develop strategies to combat chronic sleep restriction. All right. So when you talk about deliberate breathing, this is like just deep uh, breaths where you're you're pulling them right out of your pretty much your sternum, all right, and you're taking these deep breaths. And then another technique with deliberate breathing is picture something pleasant. So I talked about on earlier podcast the sibling throwdown. I love the sibling throwdown, and I sit. So we we do traditional stuff. I sit at the head of the table because I'm the oldest sibling, unless my dad comes, and then he would be at the head of the table. I sit at the head of the table, and I'm telling you, there's no better feeling. Then looking down that table and seeing my children, my siblings, my wife, my friends. Um, and so when you're doing deliberate breathing, close your eyes and take those deep breaths. Relax, deep breaths in and out and envision something similar to that image to gain some positive feelings. So that's what I do when I do my deliberate breathing uh, techniques. I, I picture that Thanksgiving dinner. And this feeds energy management. All right, so a lot of the skills, I'm not able to do those skills if I wear myself out from the stress. 
So that's why energy management is crucial for you during a change to have some kind of influence. That's a, I, I, that was a great example. I, I probably couldn't even, I, I couldn't add anything to that to make it any better. That's a wonderful example. <laughs> I loved hearing about the uh, sibling throwdown. All right. So next one is attention control. Attention control, I will tell you, is critical. It is very much so because you have to be, um, you not only if, if it's you using this particular resilient skill or you're monitoring this. So you have to be very uh, much so heightened to what attention control is. Go ahead, Ed. Tell us what about it. All right. So it's heightened sensory awareness to what is most relevant and keep it there to avoid a distraction. Understand how to direct attention and build awareness of personal uh, attentional tendencies. Identify personal indicators of distractors that compromise focus. Develop routines to set and reset the ideal state for focus, skill, execution. So when you hear it say focus, skill, execution, to me that's probably one of the more important parts of the whole thing because they're talking about executing the skills we've already discussed focused uh, a skill execution that comes from this attention control, not letting yourself get distracted, sidetracked eyes on the prize. That's it. And, and really um, I, people have heard it before, but stay the course, stay the course. If you, if you have a goal in mind or you have a, a, a set time frame or, 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 um, or project within a change that's going on, you have to realize, all right, this is the change. This is what needs to be done. We have to make sure we reach this, reach this. And I will tell you, you know, an easy way to do this and an easy way to keep the attention control in line is literally to set small goals as you go. Um, when we were teaching um, the ELM process, one of the things we, we show a picture of is like this wave that goes up really high and it goes really low. And then it gets smaller and smaller as you go. And what we've to- what we told uh, facilitators is, is at that point where that wave turns and comes back to the opposite direction, you are that blocker. Basically, as if the their attention hit it, and then it need to go back towards that middle line. And then on the opposite side, they hit you again, and it goes. And basically, it's supposed to get smaller and smaller until you get to that very pinpoint, that target that we're talking about. And you are the attention control in a sense because you're trying to control the situation. So people are driving towards the main topic of the subject that they need to learn about to further enhance their capabilities. Mm, that's, that's an excellent example. All right. So we had just finished practice mindfulness and we're going to into our last area, area three, which is set appropriate goals, 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 goals. I can't say it enough. Setting goals will help you uh, reach what you need to. And I actually have something about goals that I would like to read off to you. What I want to read off is a quote from Napoleon Hill. And if you know who Napoleon Hill, it's Think and Grow Rich. He does that book and he does a few, quite a few other things. Um, but I mean, it's the information was written years, many years ago, and it's still relevant today. But this is what he says about goals. A goal is a dream with a deadline. And if you think about that, that's what it is because we can dream big, but if we set a deadline to that dream, we're trying to achieve it. We're trying to reach that goal. So let's get right into it. Number one. 
Number one is Hunt the Good Stuff. So I was just thinking about Hunt the Good Stuff. So we're just going to go off. So Hunt the Good Stuff is basically a technique that you can use to counter negative thoughts um, and to get a positive emotion. You need to think about what's good. So this is a, a good one. We did this every day. And so I, I didn't get a chance to talk it over with you before now, Brian. But uh, yeah, influencers, that's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the Facebook page and I want you to do hunt the good stuff for us. I want you to post something. I'm going to explain to you what it is. And I want you to hashtag it uh, HTGS, hunt the good stuff, just the initials. So basically you record three good things each day and write a reflection reflection next to each positive event about why that good thing happened. What this means to you, what you can do to enable more of the good thing and ways you can contribute to this good thing. Now, I don't want you to do three. You don't have to do three. If you want to, you can, but I challenge you to all go to the page after you listen to this episode and just post one. Just post one good thing and tell us about it. Tell us why it was a positive event, why it happened, and how can you create a win streak? How can you make this uh, something that happens multiple times? I will tell you that if you make a journal and do this, you do realize, like, so we were doing it at, like, 9 in the morning. And it's like, man, by 9 in the morning, you know, in the military, we've done physical training, and we may have been to work for a little while. And you can still come up with two or three things. That's a good day. That's the start to a good day. So, And that's what Hunt the Good Stuff is all about. It's really just creating a positive emotion in you. Oh, I love it, man. Ed, that's, you know what? That's actually the one I had written down is nowhere as good as yours. So we're totally <laughs> using yours. But that hashtag, make sure we, hey, when you guys do this, um, when you add that to it, make sure you put that at the hashtag in. It's hashtag HTGS. Uh, and just, I mean, really, let's. Let's try to make it a goal to do at least once a day for one week for the first try. Just once a day for one week. If we make it through once a day for one week, maybe we'll try it for two weeks. Let's just see where it goes. I challenge all of you just like Ed did, and I can't wait. I'm I'm posting. I'm probably going to start posting it now, and people are going to be like, why is he <laughs> posting this? And then they're going to find out until we release this episode. All right. So we talked about Hunt the Good Stuff. Now we're going to talk about assertive communication. Whoa, whoa. There it is again, communication. So let's talk about some assertive communication, Ed. Uh, communicate clearly and with respect, especially during conflict or challenge. Uh, a challenge. Um, and then there's a, a thing called the ideal model, which is identify a problem, understand a problem, describe the problem objectively, express your concerns and how you feel, and then ask the other person for their perspective. And just ask for a reasonable change. This is a good one uh, at home. This is a good one with your spouse, your significant other, maybe your teenage son or daughter. I don't know if it will work with the younger kids, but hey, why not try it? See if it works. Um, and then you list the positive outcome uh, consequences that will occur if a person makes the agreed upon change to communicate in a confident, clear, and controlled manner. But the, the key to this whole is of communication. Communicate clearly with respect and especially during a conflict or challenge like you can't tell me if you're married that you don't think this would be a good tool uh when you and your spouse have a disagreement right because we all know people say things in anger and those things could end end a relationship so clearly with respect during a conflict or a challenge 
absolutely important. Communication, I love it. Oh, yeah. And assertive communication, it, it takes me back in my mind about the two bowls we talked about. There's a bowl that's what do I lose and the bowl of what do I gain? Now, obviously, with life, we have to picture these bowls to be gargantuan. They're going to be <laughs> huge. And I use that term loosely. But so what do you gain from using assertive communication or what do you lose from using assertive? I will tell you, your gains will outweigh your losses by far. I mean, just the idea of being respectful during conflict. And and that's not that mean with all due respect, such and such. No, 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 no. You actually mean to be disrespectful. <laughs> you're just trying to preempt. You're trying to pre-warn me yeah. that you're about to be disrespectful. No, it's literally, well, this is the way I see it, such and such. I'm not quite sure I understand what's going on. Or um, how about if we tried it this way instead, because I think it'll be a little bit more conducive to the change. That's how you go about that. And as an influencer, you are the most critical part of the communication process because if there is any miscommunication about vision, about the purposes, about anybody's responsibilities, their roles, that is yours to own. That is yours to make sure that you have developed. So assertive communication has to be one of the forefront pieces of being an influencer. All right, next one is character strengths challenges and leadership. Wow. Use character strengths in yourself and others to overcome challenges, increase team effectiveness and strengthen your leadership. So we talked about this a little bit earlier uh, when we were talking about identify character strengths, but you got to identify them in your, in yourself as well as others. And you, you go to those. So I had a soldier and uh, I've talked about her before her mood drove the mood of my entire platoon. So I knew that she had that kind of an influence in her. So what I do? Okay, I talk to her about becoming a leader because if her impact is like that as a as just one of the, you know, the the worker bees. Now imagine as a leader, if she walks in and how she responds to the soldiers is how they respond throughout the day. She could have an amazing influence and be an awesome leader. So I identified those strengths in her and I tried to improve her weaknesses to make her uh, a leader and increase my team uh, as a, my team's effectiveness at the same time. And not only does it strengthen her leadership, but hey, I achieved this with her. That strengthens my leadership. So that's why this one's very important uh, when dealing with change. Talent management, again, character strength drives talent management. That it does. Great point. Great point. All right. So we're going to move on to number four. Plan, plan and prioritize your time. Oh, yeah. This one's a weak one for me, man. Uh, I'm a procrastinator, <laughs> self-proclaimed king of procrastinators, but work effectively towards academic goals and managing your time. Understand how your time is spent during a typical week and conquer procrastination through an action plan. So the, the way I overcome procrastination recently is I just got in country, didn't have internet. So I knew all my schoolwork had to be done Saturday so that I could go to the library, get on the Wi-Fi and submit my internet. And uh, that made it so much easier. And I overcome the procrastination. So hopefully these are skills that can continue. But when you have a change, uh, you know, so for you, you knew about that change in the curriculum. Can you imagine if you said, well, why well, start in November? We'll start the first of the year. And then Murphy shows up, you know, Murphy's Law. 
and now we can't start till February, and we're just creeping closer to when we have to implement this change if we don't plan and prioritize. When you planned out the training, you said we're going to cover this, and then on this date, we're going to lock that down, and then on this date, we'll start next phase. And and that's why that uh why that transition was or that change was successful. Yeah, I definitely um you know and I'm glad you brought that up because that's you know planning and prioritizing the entire change that is critical. And if you do it in a manner that seems relevant, like for instance, if I expect um a, a workload that is way higher than what I know my people can do over a certain period of time, I am being unrealistic. And that's why I felt like when we did that big change that I built a glide path um, and many people saw it and it had, it had hit timelines of when we should be meeting these marks. Basically I was setting those goals on a timeline uh, by prioritizing what's the most important for, you know, to increase knowledge as we go along. Um, I can tell you, I mean, there's so many ways to do it. Uh, the glide path is probably one of the better ways to uh, build it. But then once you build it, you really need to move towards, uh, you know, scheduling it. And when I say scheduling, by keeping a calendar, you know, keeping reminders, things like that. Um, and I can always help anybody out. Um, if anybody ever wonders, oh, what, what do you mean by this glide path? Well, it's it's really simple. It's literally a diagonal line from the bottom of a page all the way up to the top of the page and then creating points along it with dates of what action needs to be taken and it and it's it's probably one of the easiest methods but at the same time complex because you also have to have some active thinking when creating that uh that plan and that priority as an influencer i recommend i will always recommend you need to plan and prioritize your change you cannot just throw change out there and expect it to be done you need to plan and prioritize it set goals but use some type of method of say, we're going to reach this goal at this point during this change. That will allow you to see where your team is at or the people you're around is at, and it allow you to effectively adjust as you need it. If you do not do that, you cannot make adjustments. You will not have the ability to get them in the right direction within the time allotted. Because I'm telling you, if it's a short suspense, you're going to be hurting. Um, if it's a long suspense, but then you decide to procrastinate, you're going to be hurt. So be very cautious about what you do. So plan, prioritize, use your calendar. Uh, we talked about in previous episodes, Outlook calendar works great. I like using my Google calendar on my phone. It makes it really simple because I carry that phone with me everywhere. So I can always adjust and look at things. So uh, great, great, great one. Let's, we got the last one here. It's effective praise and active constructive responding. Yeah, so this one here is this is where we we've talked about building winning streaks, but praise effectively to build mastery and winning streaks. Name the strategies, process, or behaviors that led to the good outcome. That's very important. Name the strategies, processes, or behaviors that led to the good outcome. Respond to others with authentic, active, and constructive interest to build strong relationship. And it's the only style. This is the only style that's going to strengthen relationships. So I'm, I'm going to use a military example, but people will understand it. We go out and we we go out and we shoot our qualification with our assigned weapon, right? Okay, well, you notice the soldier hasn't been shooting very well. So you pull the soldier aside and you say, hey, tuck in your elbow, do this, do that. Soldier goes back out, shoots way better, right? They have a better score. Okay, hey, so-and-so. I noticed that you tucked your elbow in and your score increased. 
That's an excellent job. That is a win streak. That soldier feels so good about themselves because they, 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 you were paying attention enough to see what they did and see their success. And it's the same thing in the civilian world. If somebody does something, tell them they did a good job. Tell them what they did that was good. And that's how they know, okay, that was good. So let me keep doing that. And that builds that win streak. Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, it's really like... I like ending off the show pretty much talking about the effective praise and active constructive responding. I mean, there's so many times where people, influencers, leaders, managers, whatever it is, they miss the mark um, to be able to give that constructive feedback to help others master whatever skill it is they're doing. Because, and you know, one of our key ways that we use, um, and you're going to laugh when I say it because you know, you'll know exactly what I mean by it's using after action reviews. Uh, those, those are very critical in conducting uh, training a certain way or to complete a change. You know, <clears throat> when we implemented that change that we've talked about multiple times now today, when we implemented that change, literally after every cycle that we used that change, we conducted large after action reviews, but we didn't wait for after every cycle. Every week, each platoon owed uh, back to me um, an assignment of, all right, give me your after action view within your platoon for just this week and the things that are going on. And then I compiled that entire list. And then at the end, we look at it and we see, okay, well, these are the things we can fix. These are the things that are going to stay the same. Well, you know, so, and then we were able to give people their feedback to say, all right, we saw what you said. We love what you said here. We weren't so pleased with this, or we we don't think this will work because X, Y, and Z, because it was, you know, it was obviously a reason. But it allowed them to say, all right, I see where you're going with this. And they were able to adjust where they needed to and stay the course where they need to. So effective praise and active constructive responding is probably one of the most critical of all these skills that really needs to be upon the influencer, the leader, the manager versus those that are receiving the change. Now, it does also help those receiving the change too, but I really see this more as the person directing the entire process. What do you think, Ed? Yeah, no, I... After action reviews, uh, they're so important because, I mean, how can you improve if you don't talk about what went wrong? And I can't see everything, right? So as the, as the leader or the supervisor, I can't see everything that went wrong or right. So that's why you need those people who are, are closest to the situation to give that feedback so that you can improve yourself and your organization. Yeah, if and those of you who don't uh, know what an after action review or an AAR is, really, how we go about this is, and this is just in real broad terms, you can find this anywhere on the internet, but it's what was supposed to happen, what did happen, what went right, what went wrong, what can we improve upon the next time? That's pretty much it. Um, a lot of people like to say, well, give me some positives, some negatives. I, you, you can say that or or what are some sustains? What are some improvements? You can say that also. Uh, but it's the idea of going through those five little steps that allow you to really look at this and say, okay, got it. We, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna crush this next time. Um, with that, I tell you, I'm, I, this influencing change uh, topic today, I, I've enjoyed it. I can't wait to re-listen to it um, as I go through it. Ed, what do you think? Yeah, no, it was excellent. Um, you know, I, I got to show some of my MRT knowledge off. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I like it. And then I'm honestly, as a refresher, there was stuff from MRT that I was like, man, I, I haven't even really thought about that. So uh, 
yeah, I did some learning today. Hopefully some of these other folks did some learning because what do we want to be but lifelong learners, right? Absolutely, my friend. And remember, hey, Ed, he gave you all that assignment about, you know, um, HTGS. So hunt the good stuff. Remember that you're going to at least give us at least one per day for at least one week from the time of this episode airs. We're gonna You're going to see it is what's your hunt the good stuff. Make sure you hashtag HTGS in it. And then also when you give us that one, it's how can you win with this particular hunt the good stuff that you gave us? Okay. Um, with that, also remember we have Facebook group uh, that's a closed group, but you can be a part of it by typing in 101 influence. You're going to go visit group. There's a little blue button that says visit group. Answer the three questions. Submit. Um, one of us, either myself, uh, Ed, my wife, Ed's wife, one of us will be the ones that approves it. There's only four of us that make approvals for this. So we read everything that comes through. So don't think we don't. Um, we want you to be a part of our group. Second thing, make sure you share and like the show. Share and like any type of the feedback that comes out. You know, just spread the message. The point about this was not to just have a podcast. We did the podcast because we felt like it was a good launching pad or platform to create a better message. The point of this is creating a community of influencers and building upon those strengths and weaknesses that we have together and becoming better. Um, we have Instagram, check it out. We have Twitter, check that out. Uh, we have uh, the website, go check that out. Um, and other than that, I don't have a whole lot more about this today. What do you got, Ed? Anything? Change is inevitable. It will happen no matter who you are. It's how you deal with it and how you influence from it. That's great. Well, that leads us to the very end of the show. I know y'all been uh, listening patiently and we love our listeners and we love everything. We, we thank all of you. I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Thank you very much. Have a good day.